And what does the next generation need? They need a leader worth following. Being a leader worth following recognizes that greatness is measured in decades. I would urge you to fight the urge to keep score every quarter. You're playing a game that's much bigger and more infinite than you can imagine or that you think. You're playing a multi-generational game. They are your legacy. So welcome to this episode of the Pathway to Purpose podcast brought to you by FCCI. I'm your host, Ken Powell. And when I sat down with Nelson Davis for breakfast at a small restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia, to discuss this content about leading the next generation, I knew that anyone who heard this material was going to receive the kind of information that can completely shift your way of thinking and your business processes. Nelson has an amazing grasp of how to engage with next generation leaders to draw them forward into the deployment of their God-given gifts and talents. And in this episode, Nelson's going to share specific business tactics that he utilizes at Analytic Vision. And you can be sure that you're going to want to share this podcast with your entire leadership team. Now, before we hear from Nelson today, let let me encourage you to jump over to FCCI.org and discover all the ways that you can engage with events, business leadership groups, a large library of leadership development content, the Connect Leadership Community Platform, and so much more. We're here to serve your desire to transform the world through Christ, and we believe that God has called you into your business role, and He has called us to encourage and equip your journey for His glory. Please, let us know how we can serve you. Now, what you're about to hear, Nelson presented this at the 2023 FCCI International Conference. And if you're listening to this podcast, let me encourage you at some point to jump over to our YouTube channel. Just do a search for FCCI official and click through to our podcast channel. And then you'll be able to see the deck of supporting visuals as Nelson makes this presentation. We're picking up partway into the breakout session on this episode, but you can definitely search for the full presentation that Nelson made at the conference when you go to the International Conference playlist on our YouTube channel. Simon said, it all begins with empathy. Uh, Brene Brown, who wrote Daring Greatly and many other books, she talks about empathy. She says, empathy fuels connection. It is feeling with people. She goes on to give us four tenets of what empathy looks like. She said, thing one is empathy is all about taking perspective and realizing that the person who looks different than us, sounds different than us, different age, different whatever, what they are saying, they believe to be true, right? As we talked about, especially with Gen Z, truth is relative. And, and part of it is just giving them a perspective that's not their own, but also hearing them and making sure that they feel like they're heard. The next part is really challenging in a, in, a, in a position where you're like, I simply, I know I know better. At least that's what you're thinking in your head. But truly staying out of judgment, right? I hear you. Um, I feel what you're feeling, right? I recognize that. And uh, you know, to the best of my ability, I'm going to stay out of judgment. And you know, the advice monster can kind of rear its ugly head in these moments. You also just need to simply recognize the emotion, right? Again, if I think about the millennial and the Gen Z generation as I've engaged with them on my team, um, they are in a, as Simon talked about, a very stressful season and a lot has happened and they're looking around and the thing that they are hungry for is truth. They don't know that. They wouldn't say that the way they say it is, I'm looking for something authentic, right? What they really are craving is truth. 
And, and so they know that they're missing something. And it's like, you know, if you've ever felt like you're missing something, that's what they feel like. And they feel it all the time. And last but certainly not least is this ability to connect to this uh, and engaging the emotion, right? That's the heart of vulnerability. It's, it's, it says something effective, look, I know what it's like and you're not alone, right? I've been where you've been. I know what it's like to feel lonely or to feel like uh, you're lost in the world. I know what that's like. Now, I don't know what it's like to be a 25-year-old, right? But that's not what we're connecting with. We're connecting with the emotion. That's empathy. So here's where I want to take us, right? As business leaders, as faith-driven entrepreneurs, I want to call us back to this, this principle, this concept, that those we understand the least are often the mission. This generation is leaving the church. And if... We recognize that fact. We have to ask ourselves, where else are they going to see Jesus if it's not in our organizations as their leaders? And if those things are true, and I would postulate that they are, then that means that they are the mission. A decade ago, David Platt came to our church and spoke, and he talked about, you know, when you go to work and you're wondering, you know, these godless people that you're working with, and, you know, somebody should really tell them about Jesus, and da-da-da. And he looked at us, and he said, squarely, you are their Christian. God puts you there to interact with them. You are their Christian. And so our opportunity in this space is to welcome them, to invite them, and to serve them. I had a good fortune of watching the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Summit last week, and uh, this quote just stuck right out to me. And uh, it was a woman entrepreneur in Africa. She said, entrepreneurship begins with finding the underserved. And I think this is really the core of entrepreneurship. This is where business opportunity begins. And I would argue as well, no one has been more underserved with the truth than this next generation. And if that's true, the second part's true as well. So find the underserved and then go build a solution. That's what we do as entrepreneurs Again, this is the core of entrepreneurship. And look, I think leadership really does three things. It creates clarity because if you don't know where we're going, you don't know if you want to go with us. It envisions a preferred future. That's what vision is all about. Here's where we're going. Here's why we must go there. And then it builds a solution to meet the needs, right? So if we were to think about how would we solve a challenging problem like this one as entrepreneurs, what would, it, what would uh, a solution that met those needs look like? And I go back, John Lynch, a guy who wrote Bo's Cafe and True Face and a bunch of other things, he makes this statement. He says, love is the process of meeting needs. And so if we want to love this next generation well, and I'm going to argue that that is part of our mission, what does this next generation need to be loved well? So I'm going to run you through a handful of things. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. We're going to start with some data. I'm a data guy, and that's just how we're going to do it. Um, ironically enough, it's actually different than what uh, boomers are looking for. Uh, it has to do a lot with learning and growth. It, uh, they are looking for an organization that invests and inspires them. They really want clarity on what's the value proposition. I'm going to ask you all what your value proposition in your organizations is. They also really want a path forward. They want to know where is this going and, and why should I be a part of what you're doing? Because I told you so, by the way, is not a good answer to that question. A community and a connection, that's what they want in an organization. They also, again, as I mentioned, they're looking for authentic truth. And last but certainly not least, is they're looking desperately for a leader worth following. So let's start with the data. 
So this is a survey of 27,000 people from a number of different countries, including the United States uh, and European countries, kind of, we'll call them first world countries, uh, done by Bain, uh, so you know it was right. Um, And what they're looking at is this is the percentage of respondents ranking this attribute as their number one top priority and what they're looking for as a part of motivating and priorities at work, uh, and then bucketing them according to age. And so... The farthest to the left is your 18 to 24 and 25 to 34. So that's kind of our next generation, we'll call them. The 35, 44s, um, you know, a little bit of Gen Z in there. And then we got their 55, 62 plus kind of to the right there. So our boomers are on the right side. And so let's actually start with the boomers. And ironically enough, um, both of these have the exact same kind of percentage points. And if you're a boomer in the room and you're, and you're looking and saying, yeah, what do I want most out of work? I really want interesting work. And part of that is I feel like I've seen a lot of stuff. And what I really want is just I want to work on the stuff that's interesting now, right? I've kind of done the mundane stuff. And then you're also saying to yourself, man, I really want autonomy, right? I just, I don't want anybody having to tell me what to do. I feel like I've seen it. I feel like I know what to do. I just want to be able to go and do the next right thing. That really lights me up, Right. And it's not that those things aren't important to this younger generation, but they're important almost half as much, right? And again, one of the things that I would show you from statistics is this idea of confirmation bias. We assume that because this is what we want, that must be what everybody wants. And again, empathy is the opposite of that. It's connecting with the person on the other side of the table and understanding first as a servant leader, what is it that you want and how can I serve you in that way? So now let's flip it back. Let's look at what the next generation is looking for. It turns out the next generation is looking for learning and growth. These, you know, as you, as you think about it, these were the top priorities for um, a, a huge percentage right here. And now look, we're also looking at a company that inspires me. Now, I recognize that that's only 6%, but it's three times the amount of folks that were looking for this uh, from the 62 plus, Right? So let's talk about that. I'm going to show you a a bunch of stuff that we do in our organization that we think connects these ideas. And so the first thing first, when it comes to learning and growth, our organization, we have the uh, vision to equip and inspire the next generation of data and technology leaders. But we tell every person on their way in as a part of our recruiting process, look, we recognize that you are going to leave here one day. Actually, that's part of our vision. We're, we're here to equip and inspire and then launch and sustain you in the marketplace as a leader worth following for the next generation. Because my kids need leaders worth following and my grandkids need leaders worth following. And so we will equip and inspire and then send. That's our goal. And so we tell people on the way in, look, you're going to come and learn. You're going to spend three seasons of that. You're going to come and lead. You're going to spend two seasons of that. And then we're going to launch you. You're going to spend a season where we're preparing you to launch. And your job at that point is to empty your cup. We think it takes between six and ten years to do this. We're in year four and a half. So it's a theory. But that's where we're going. Everybody in our organization knows this. We show them this on day one as we go through onboarding. We say, look, when you get an outside offer, because we know it's going to happen, you're awesome. That's why we invited you in the first place. Celebrate, right? And then we want you to engage your leadership. It is a safe place for you to say, hey, I got an outside offer and I'm considering taking it. Awesome. How can we help you make that decision? What is it you're looking for? Are you tired of doing what you're doing here? Would you like to do something new? Is this an opportunity? Is it great for your family? What is this, right? And then you have a decision to make. We're not going to make it for you. 
right? You then choose to either stay with us and keep going on the journey, keep growing, stay side by side with your teammates, or you launch into the next chapter. We create clarity from the very beginning. We say, look, you're going to hold dear to our last core value. You will finish with legacy in mind. You will leave well, and it's on you to empty your cup and replace yourself here. You take what we've taught you, and you go out in the marketplace. You take this vision with you. Because that's why we started this organization in the first place. Be the leader the next generation so desperately needs. Going back, a company that inspires me. An organization that invests and inspires. So these are our three uniques. So anybody who has been a part of Traction or the EOS methodology, you've got your three uniques. And so our first one is very much a client-focused one. We build complete or comprehensive solutions that bring vision to technology. That's how we serve our clients in the marketplace. Our second one is very much for our people. We're telling them we pour into our people, our people pour into our clients. By the way, when we get that out of order, it's our, we have to go people first. If we don't do that right, we won't get the second thing, right? So our clients experience people that have been poured into. And the last one is that we serve with hometown hospitality, and we'll talk about each of these. And so we do things like what we call leadership uh, analytic vision, LAV 2.0. Uh, this is how we engage and continue to do professional and leadership development for our people. We give them a path of how they get promoted. Um, we work with nonprofits in the Atlanta area in significant, meaningful, true investment ways. Um, and then everybody who goes through our leadership curriculum after about a year, they're writing their personal mission statement and sharing it with their cohort to create deeper and deeper connections with one another and because it gives them clarity on who they are. This is the first six to eight to sometimes 12 months uh, of someone's journey with us as an organization. We start off with seven habits of highly effective people. Again, habit number two is begin with the end in mind. At the end of that is where uh, Covey talks about writing a personal mission statement. So we loop all the way back at the end. Uh, The second book is The Servant, which is a fictional story about servant leadership. Everybody Matters is a conscious capitalism book. So it's a true story of servant leadership. Um, written by CEO Bob Chapman. And then the last book is The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, where he talks about playing a multi-generational game and recognizing that business is not a game to win. It's a game to perpetuate the game and to do that with excellence and to do it for a just cause. The other thing that we do, uh, or another thing that we do, is we create clarity on the value proposition. What do I mean by value proposition? This is really, really key. Value proposition is two things. Why would you come and why would you stay, right? Because if the way that we align on this isn't lined up, then you're not going to enjoy it. You will leave anyway. So we're going to tell you what it looks like on your way in so you can figure out self-select in or out. So first things first, total compensation, right? Everybody's coming for that level of value. And again, that's kind of all in, so that's some bonus and other stuff. The next thing that we think about are the value that Uh, our people are looking for is we want to build an amazing culture, right? How valuable is that to us? What are we going to invest in doing that? Our third thing is investing in the personal and professional development of our people. And again, this is a heartbeat for us. We'll talk about exactly what these things um, mean when we add them up. The fourth one is additional benefits. So PTO, parental leave, other kind of ancillary benefits, you know, going on um, a weekend away each year, stuff like that, going to conferences, and then last but certainly not least is our community, our social investment. And so, you know, are we connected to our community? Do we see the community as a stakeholder? Are we truly invested? And the, the part here is, look, we've only got so many chips. We can only invest so much. 
So where are we going to intentionally spend our time, dollars, and invest? And so here's how we do it. We actually tell our people, look, uh, if you're looking for top dollar, don't come here. You will not get it. We are, we are, you know, uh, we're, we're going to pay market. We'll pay a little bit above it, but you can definitely make more money somewhere else. Now, here's what we're going to do with the money that we're not giving you. We're going to build an amazing culture. Now, you may find some super amazing culture somewhere that you watch on YouTube. Probably not going to be able to do all that, but we really want to make this a huge priority. We want you to feel connected to the people and to the work and to the mission of what we're doing. Now, number three, this is the hill we will die on. We want to be best in class, best in the world at professional and personal development of our people. If you want to come here, it's because this is a values alignment for you. This is why you're coming. We will invest in you in this way. Uh, our additional benefits, you know, could you get more PTO? Could you get more time off if you have a kid? Absolutely, at some other company. We think it's fairly generous. Uh, we think it'll take care of you and your family. Um, but could you get better somewhere else? Absolutely, no doubt. And community social, uh, social investment. Y- yes, we, we want to be highly invested. We've done some amazing things each year to be invested in our community. Um, last year, we built a, a playground for the Boys and Girls Club Metro Atlanta. We project planned it. We fundraised for it. We built it in a day. Uh, and then we came back and we cut the ribbon and celebrated with the kids. It was amazing. It was awesome. Um, and so you may find somebody else who's even more involved than us. Um, but we really think that that's a big part of what we're going to do. And so this is something that I would definitely leave you if you're a business owner. Sit here and really, truly take stock. These are the five things, I think. Where are you? Six out of ten, five out of ten, four out of ten, nine out of ten? Be honest with yourself. And then give this to your people because whether you knew it or not, they already knew this. And whether or not they're aligned on it has a lot to do with whether they'll stay. We also tell our people, this is how you get promoted. It's a 180-day process. Here's what you're doing in each one of the days. Here's how you involve your leadership. Here are the questions you have to ask. Here's what you have to prove. All this type of stuff. As Simon talked about, people are frustrated. Well, you didn't promote me. No, we told you. You need to own it. But we're going to tell you the pathway. So you got to go and get feedback regularly and do regular personal reflections. If you have a critical or pivotal a conversation that needs to happen, a meeting doesn't go well, you need to have that conversation within 24 hours. At the end of the day, this is your responsibility to get yourself promotion, to get yourself promoted. And it's all of our responsibility to get one another promoted. We are all invested in one another. This is the matrix of all the things you got to do. Now, obviously that's really small, but there's six steps on our consulting journey. And each one is outlined of, hey, here's what it looks like to be able to do business development as an AV2. Here's what it looks like to do technical development as an AV3. Right? And so we're giving you the matrix. This is what it looks like. Um, and these are our expectations. And we're going to hold you to these. We lead through serving. We are a community. We, 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 we're building a community and we're building connection with one another. One of the things that we do is that our holiday party is actually centered around the holiday of Thanksgiving. Now, many great, amazing organizations center it on the idea of Christmas, which is great and awesome. We wanted to think about what would, what would uh, our organization do different uh, in order to create a, just a different uh, experience. Uh, and so we came up with this idea of doing a two-day holiday party called Thanksgiving. It happens a week or two before Thanksgiving, uh, and it is a two-day event. The first day is uh, our day of thanks. And so we all come together, we do dinner, you and your significant other, we give gifts, uh, we celebrate, we give our, um, our servant leadership award, which is our highest award, 
And we just celebrate. We, we are a family that sits together and enjoys one another uh, for the evening. It's absolutely amazing. We come back the next day and we do our day of giving. And this is where we went and built our um, playground. So not a small endeavor. That's the actual picture of our actual playground. Uh, this is uh, the Boys and Girls Club in Southeast Atlanta, uh, Whitehead Club. Uh, this is a, a number of the folks from our team and the team that built the playground that day. Uh, we came back uh, a week and a half later, cut the rib, and celebrated with these amazing kids. It was so awesome. Uh, we had such a blast. Um, that is how we did our holiday party. And the connection and the meaning um, that we were able to c- create just because we thought about it um, and took it that much deeper and created that much more purpose, right? And again, we're just building connection. We, we find a way, even in a remote first organization, to get our team together. Everybody comes together five times a year. Uh, if you're local to Atlanta, you get together another probably five or six more times in addition to that. But we find times and ways to get together and to celebrate one another uh, as we go on this journey together. The next thing that folks are looking for is an authentic truth. And look, I tell every person on day one the story of our organization. And very quickly, uh, this slide represents the day that I got the vision of what it is to come into this organization. And so I knew that I was going to leave my previous organization um, and I was going to go build a data analytic consulting firm. That's what I knew that how to do. The other thing that I was very passionate about was this idea of servant leadership. I knew that I wanted to help equip people be, to be servant leaders. But the challenge was, in an organization, there's only so many seats at the leadership table. So is it just that we teach people how to be servant leaders, but we never give them the chance to lead because there's just not enough seats? How does that make any sense? But God had put both those things in my heart. And I was coming out of my dad's hospital room in uh, Midtown Atlanta, Emory Midtown Hospital. My dad was going through three different forms of cancer. He's fine now, um, but we didn't know the end of that story at the time. And I got to my car uh, the day before my last day, and I just look out to the West, and God gave me this just divine vision. And he said, look, love the you know, Dana Consulting Firm, love this heart for servant leadership. But what if, what if the goal was not to bring people in to hold on to them forever? What if the goal was instead to bring people in for a time, equip and inspire, and then on purpose, with intention, you launch them back out into the marketplace as leaders worth following? What if that was the vision of this organization? And I know it wasn't my idea because I immediately said, well, that's a terrible idea. And the reason that's a terrible idea is because I've never seen in my life a company who brought people in, invest so heavily, only to send them back out. And then I thought about it for about 30 more seconds, and I said, but if the goal is impact more than it is profit, that is the greatest way to make an impact. Let's do that. And then I thought about it for 30 more seconds, and I said, if we can do that for a decade and we invest in those people, and they become the leaders in their organizations worth following, when they need help, who do you think they're going to call? They'll call us. So ultimately, that crazy idea is the most sustainable business model that we could possibly create. We just have to play it for 10 or 15 years. And so we're in the middle of that story. And I got in my car, I turned on the, the, the stereo, and this song came on from our church, and the chorus of that song said, I surrender every plan that I've made. I lay my will down in the grave. Bury me deep until only Jesus remains. I find my life when I give it away. And I don't care. Uh, we tell her during the recruiting process, I say, look, I'm a person of faith. This organization would not be here without my faith. Uh, and I promise you this. You know, whatever you believe, I will honor and respect you. I simply ask the same in return. 
And we've told this story to every single person that's walked in the door, and every single one of them loves this. Each one of our core values has a verse of Scripture associated with it. Our first core value, do what is right, surrender the outcome. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs with the Lord. Our last one that we focus in on for our time today, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. He won't leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the Lord's house is finished. This is David admonishing his son Solomon as he is on his last uh, authoritative moment as he's leading the people of Israel, handing his legacy over to his son at the end of First Chronicles. We've been in a really difficult season personally uh, and professionally in my house. Um, it is, uh, I've been to three funerals in the last two months. None of them were expected. Uh, my wife lost her mother uh, at the end of June. Um, about six weeks after that, uh, one of the kids that I coached as an eight-year-old and won the Disney Dean World Series uh, passed away in his sleep as a nine-year-old. Uh, and then a guy that I coached with um, a few weeks ago had a massive stroke. And then last Monday, a week ago, I was at his funeral. Um, and I came to my team last Friday at our all-hands, and I just simply, I ended our, our all-hands meeting with this. I said, look, guys, I just need you to know that this is, it's a gift, right? As we go through this difficult professional season, personal season, because I have to tell them what's going on with me. It's that we go together that makes it wonderful. Life is so precious. Use yours to serve others because that is the vision that we all signed up for. And then I ended with this. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. You know how many angry emails I got because we put up a verse of Scripture? Zero. Because they're with me, and I'm with them. That's empathy. That's truth. That's what this looks like to the next generation. It goes beyond just being truthful in word. We have all of our financials up and available for all of our people to see. Uh, we show them things like days of cash on hand. We show them things like run rate and profit margins because they're invested in us and we're invested in them. And so we are co-investors in this crazy dream and vision that I started four and a half years ago but is incredibly valuable to their lives. So why would I not be truthful with them because they celebrate with us in the good times, and when it's not going well, and sometimes that happens, they understand we, you know, this is where we are, and we're all watching it together, and they're all, we're all working together in order to improve when things don't go the way we want them to. But we're in it together. And so we've covered off all of these except for the very last one. Because love is the process of meeting needs. And what does the next generation need? They need a leader worth following. And so as we conclude our time together, I just want to leave you, we could spend hours on this topic right here. But let me give you just a handful of things. Being a leader worth following recognizes that greatness is measured in decades. I would urge you to fight the urge to keep score every quarter. 
You're playing a game that's much bigger and more infinite than you can imagine or that you think. You're playing a multi-generational game. They are your legacy. So fight that urge to just try to make bottom line decisions every quarter. You're going to have some unprofitable quarters. It's just going to happen. Up into the right's not a real thing. Newsflash. <clears throat> you don't have costs. You have investments. Tell them that you're invested in them and that, and this is just fine, thank you, you expect a return on your investment, right? You, don't, you wouldn't ask them to make a bad investment. When you tell them, I'm invested in you and I expect you to grow, I expect you to be a leader worth following because I'm invested in you. I expect a return on this investment. Build organizations where risk is rewarded and failure is learned from, not criticized. Look, if you are struggling as an organization to find innovation or to find new ideas or to, um, you know, you're sitting there kind of defending, well, this is the way we've always done it. You're already failing. Newsflash. If, if, those words ever come out of your mouth, your organization's failing. And the reason is, is because you've got to be able to take chances in order to move forward. That's what innovation is all about. If we can't take chances, it means that we're afraid of failing. This next generation wants the responsibility and the ability to own a process, own an outcome. Give it to them. Knowing that that's also going to mean that sometimes they're going to fail. Don't give them the presentation to the CEO tomorrow morning. That's not the one, right? Give them the one that's the, you know, to the director a week in advance. Check their work, but let them own it. Right? Same thing with your kids. You can't raise kids who don't know how to fail. Setting them up to be terrible adults. Gratitude recognizes that we deserve nothing. So be grateful. All that we have is a gift. As leaders, we should say thank you way more than we feel like it. No one's ever quit a job because they were thanked too much. And then as we begin to wrap up, it is a full recognition that none of this is mine. You, you have to truly believe in your heart of hearts. And I had a great mentor tell me this a long time ago. He said, the greatest distance in all the world is the 18 inches between your head and your heart. The plumbing between those two things is broken and it requires a, design, a divine mechanic to fix it. And so it's not just enough to say in your head, this was not my idea. You have to believe that. You have to recognize that these are not your gifts. You were given these. It's the same as the parable of the talent. The master gave the gifts. The master gave the talents. They're not yours. They're not your people. Yeah, your company's 30 or 100 or 300 or 1,000. They're not yours. Those are not your dollars. You were given those. It's a stewardship responsibility. All that I have was given to me. You know, as I mentioned, we've been a really difficult season. Uh, and in the middle of all that, this is a difficult season personally, in the middle of all that, professionally it's been very very difficult and one of my very good friends who I've known for six seven eight years long before I started AV she came over a year and a half ago and um, decided to become part of our company it was a huge honor it's been amazing to work with her in the middle of all that she calls me and she says hey one of our clients just offered me a job and I'm thinking about it because I told her it's a safe space to do that 
And in the middle of that, I just was like, God, like, this is so hard. Like, and I, I was just, it was right after the nine-year-old had passed away. It was right after a bunch of other stuff had happened in the organization. I just, the only thing I could do was I just went to the floor and I just sat and I cried and I prayed and I went palms up. I just said, she's not mine. This organization's not mine. This wasn't my idea. I never wanted to do this. This was your idea. And so I surrender all of it. She stayed, which I'm really grateful for. Um, But I came to peace with the fact that she could leave um, because she wasn't mine. And here's what I know about you. You desire to hear these words at the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's joy. Well, as I mentioned earlier, this presentation is available in its entirety in the International Conference playlist on the FCCI official YouTube channel. Would you let others know about the Pathway to Purpose podcast? Hey, thanks for listening. And may God empower your journey as you lead a company for Christ. Thank you.